Calgary Pride proudly serves Treaty 7 on the traditional territory of the Nitsitapi Confederacy, Ayajenakoda, and Esutina. This land is also home to a Métis nation of Alberta, Region 3, within the historical Northwest Métis homeland. This place, where the Elbow River meets the Bow, is known by many names to many people, including Mohinsis, Winchespa, Kutsiso, Otoskune, and Calgary. We thank the indigenous communities of Turtle Island for both the historic and ongoing stewardship and protection of the land we collectively inhabit today. Many nations and people, indigenous and non, are fortunate to call Mokinsis and Treaty 7 territory our home. Acknowledging this land is indigenous protocol, which we honor as a step towards reconciliation and fulfilling our responsibilities as treaty people. Working alongside all nations, indigenous and non, we strive to create safe spaces where everyone can live openly and authentically. You are listening to the broadcast only on CJSW. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Pridecast. My name is Felix, and I go by he, him pronouns. And today, I will be your host here at Pridecast. This summer, I'm working with Calgary Pride to organize and eventually execute the first in-person Calgary Pride Festival since 2019, and I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here today. Learning more about the history of the Pride movement in Calgary can give us a better understanding of how far we've come and help us understand the world we live in today. If the last two years have taught us anything, it's that people around us are more important than we realize. So it's important that you take every opportunity to tell the folks around you how thankful you are that they're around. But back to Pridecast, I am honored to introduce a very special guest today. Throughout his eight-year swimming career, our guest has won 21 national titles, three Olympic medals, and set seven world records. You may know him as Canada's first openly gay Olympian who addressed the United Nations, decriminalized homosexuality, or you might recognize him by his dulcet voice from season one of How It's Made. Let me introduce you to Mark Tewksbury. Hello, Felix. Hello, Mark. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you. Um, for everyone who didn't know, Mark recently came back from about a month-long vacation in Europe. How was that like? What did you do? It was interesting. I mean, I used to travel so much, like for work all the time, and I really um, enjoyed Calgary and my routine here during the pandemic. This is my first trip overseas. Oh, wow. And and my partner and I were like the biggest babies before we left. Yeah. We're like, oh, we're so afraid oh, no. to travel. And I don't know. We just sort of lost our mojo. But getting out there again, like, it comes back pretty yeah. quickly it's well, it's international travel right now if, if you don't have to do it i would recommend just letting airports yeah. sort of get going again totally um but it was it was lovely yeah it's you got just, all your luggage we actually did we missed a flight <laughs> our bag stayed with us and that made it actually. yeah had that one thing not happened it could have been a totally different yeah that's the most important part as long as you got your luggage <laughs> everything else is fine right um well you were in uh europe for pride month so you yeah. were there for june did you go to any pride celebrations in europe you know no we actually it's so funny some years we've landed at places like barcelona and smack or rome and yeah. we're right in the middle of pride and we didn't even know it it's yeah. like this is so fun this year we just kept missing it we were in lisbon the Tuesday after it had been there on the Saturday. And then in London, we were there about a week after it had been. Oh, and we heard all about yeah. it. But that's okay. Um, London in particular, it still had, it was um, the, the big Pride Week the week before. And then it was the trans um, the following week, which the, all the flags were still up oh, in that's central beautiful. London and up Oxford Street. So there's certainly the the flavor of pride was still in Yeah, there. London's already one of my favorite cities. So just imagining London covered in rainbows and pride flags and everything else just sounds like 
my best dream. Yeah, it was amazing. London's a great, great city. There's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. After a week in London, I'm so grateful to come back to beautiful Calgary. I know. It's a lot more calm, right? Yes. yes. And I feel like you don't have to hear, like, mind the gaff. So that's, that's the, a plus, yeah. right? Or that means you're getting into a subway. And when it's 30 degrees oh, outside, yeah. that subway is like, an, it, it's hot even when Those subways are tiny. They're tiny and boiling. Like, Some who, of the lines who designed have, these, people, these well, subways? They were designed in 18. Yeah, I guess people were, like, only, like, three feet tall back then or well, something. Well, <laughs> it was just a different knowledge of space, yeah, I think. totally. Well, Mark, I also heard that you're a bit of a home cook. So I wanted to know, um, now that you're back in Calgary, what's on the menu at a typical day at Shea? Tewksbury? That's a really good question. I don't think there's like, typically I make breakfast and yeah. I like to make a, a hot breakfast often. So like this morning I had some leftover potatoes that I'd done yesterday with Ooh. some paprika and some spice on them. Ooh. And then I just did kind of a vegetable mash, uh, uh, onion and red pepper and jalapeno and fantastic. mushrooms. And yeah, I just cooked it down and little eggs. And so I would do breakfast. My partner will often do lunch. We usually, we usually have um, soups and stuff we've made in the freezer. Oh, that's and so good. Easy. Chef's fiery kitchen takeaway containers. <laughs> Shameless plug for my friend. And um, and then we'll see for dinner. We're really inspired by Mediterranean cooking for yeah. sure. We lean heavily into that. It's very healthy, very lean as well. It tastes good too. Yeah. Most importantly, it's like salty and savory and crunchy and fresh. And, yeah. Uh, and aromatic and yeah. Okay, so are we going to your house after for lunch or like what's the plan? Yeah, we had, we had lunch just before we came and today was pretty simple. Today is just one of Rob's fabulous sandwiches with the pickle Ooh. so we're old school as well you know yeah. it's not always fancy schmancy but we like to take care of each other and funny we never say like you're gonna who's gonna cook this it's just sort of a routine we have and somehow rob and i put together three meals a day oh at, wow at shea tewksbury i like that yeah, yeah i like that it's shamey yeah Thanks. we're bilingual here <laughs> <laughs> uh well you did bring up potatoes so i want to know if you could only eat one form of potato for the rest of your life what would it be hmm wow you know, everyone wants to say fry, of course, but it fry only stays hot for like, you know, you got to eat it, right? It's yeah. so in the moment. Yeah. I don't know. I I just rediscovered scallop potatoes, I think, but scallop they're so rich. Potatoes. I think I'm going to go with just a, a mash, yes. like a, a smashed mash. Okay. That's sustainable and, and doesn't overwhelm you every time you eat it and you don't have to eat right. it super quick. Could be yeah. hot or cold. That's a good. That's a good choice. I like Thank it. You. It was very, very. I worked it backwards. <laughs> of course, I'm really screaming for me, French fries. Yeah, for me, it's 100 percent fries. I don't care what the temperature is. It could be scalding hot. It could be frozen. I'll eat it. It's my favorite. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Throughout your time, Mark, you have had some phenomenal achievements during your time as a professional swimmer. Not only were you covered with medals and national titles, you were ranked as one of the top backstrokers in the world. You've been on the cover of Time Magazine, awarded Canadian Athlete of the Year. You've been inducted into the Canadian Olympic Hall of Fame, the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame, and the International Swimming Hall of Fame. And you recently received Companions of the Order of Canada. And I'm sure this is just the tip of the iceberg. But thinking back through all your achievements and highlights, what is your most memorable uh, experience of the years? So I'm really glad you let me know you were going to ask this question before because <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, and I you've landed, done a lot, so I well, <laughs> I understand that. Well, it's also like, you know, when you put 
everything maybe interesting that you've done in your life in two sentences. You sound like a very interesting person, but real life is like full of mundane life and months and months when nothing happens. And it's not just poo, poo, yeah. poo, poo. So when you're like, choose your most poo, it's like, what is, or poo. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? And so like that moment I got companion in the Order of Canada, most people don't know what that is. Yeah. Even, and I was one of them. And when I learned, you know, just how, what a big honor it was, it was deeply touching. I thought of being at the United Nations. That was an incredible experience. But I landed on being chef de mission for the Olympic team in 2012 because it kind of combined my being an athlete and going for that stress of competition at the highest level, living in the athlete's village. I mean, it was, I'm part of Team Canada. Yeah. I'm leading it. And it was over time. It was like three weeks. So it's really an experience. And I shared it with my partner and I was openly gay, but I was also, you know, that, that, that had its place, but that wasn't what this job was about at all right, as well. Right. But I was really proud after of, you know, a generation of LGBTQ plus people watching me walk into the opening ceremony yeah. uh, as a gay guy leading Team Canada. You know, I got a lot of really positive feedback about yeah, that. Yeah, that so, must have been so amazing coming back all these years later, leading the way, right? Yeah, it was 20 years after. And, and you know, I've been to the Olympics, but I just realized, like, you never go to the Athlete's Village unless yeah. you're an athlete. Yeah. And so that last time I was in the Athlete's Village was in 1992, kind of in a legit way, you know? Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, following your retirement as a professional swimmer, it wasn't until a few years later that you actually came out to the world and became, you know, Canada's first gay Olympian. And while many people praised your courage, there were a lot of people, even in your close circle, that didn't necessarily think that you should speak on these matters publicly. I want to know, how did you overcome these voices trying to confine you? And how did you find the courage to not only come out to uh, your close circle, but to the entire world? Well, when you make it, <laughs> you make that sound so <laughs> ominous, and it actually was. I'm glad you reminded me <laughs> how hard it was, because it's easy to forget. Like, yeah, you know, this is like, like I, I won the Olympics 30 years ago. Yeah, this was six years after that, and still it was like these were not topics people spoke about. Right, you know, and but there was also. When I look back now on that time, you know, it was Alanis Morissette and the breakthrough of people kind of just being really authentic and really honest and talking about things that people weren't used to talking about. And somehow just my own struggle and frustration. And at a certain point, you know, if you do value honesty, yeah, you know, and, and you value relationships, it's hard to always feel like you're lying to your family right. and sneaking around and filled with shame. I'm like, how do I get out of this? space and the only space was to it's called courage it was just survival to speak out yeah you know and just say here's who i am and i'll let it fall where it falls and it was really hard at the time but i, I have to say like wow what it did for the rest of my life not in terms of accomplishment and career but just in terms of being you know to i didn't realize how uh, attractive being authentic is to people yeah <laughs> That's fantastic, Mark. So, yeah, it was worth it. But it was tough at the time. And I, I just had to follow my, my own instincts. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. One of the first people that you came out to was your coach. And that was actually on Stephen Avenue. Yeah. At Earl's. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about that. What was that like? I did a lot of research I, on you prior I to this. <laughs> and this was a time when, like, that, that was a new restaurant. And it was yeah. hopping and exciting Yeah, they got the be best there. happy hour. They got the drinks, the yeah. $5 deals. And it was even different. It was different back then, but it had the same whatever. You yeah. Know, jello shots. Oh, or yeah. Parents, <laughs> or like, whatever it needed, it had to pull you in. And so it was hopping. And I just remember that so much. And Debbie, I, I told a few other people, Debbie was the first 
person like that was in a position of authority that I really had something vested that right. if this if I lost that I don't know what I would have done and then I had a pretty good instinct that she was going to be okay but it's still a process you yeah, know I, I still to sit somebody down and say the words out I have to say it's it's really cool to see like where things have progressed from, you know, and that you're doing a podcast like this before a pride, because like in my day, we had the first ever pride in 1991, right. sort of a march. Uh, Al Dewar declared the first like gay pride week. And there was such a backlash. He actually had to withdraw that. Yeah. And say he was like, and, and so imagine I'm training for the Olympics and trying to feel confident as a gay, well, struggling as a closeted gay guy and then on the front page of the paper this is what you have to read like how can you not be filled with shame and self-hate like it took a lot to break free of that conditioning that was just kind of always around us in, in those days yeah yeah that it, it is really hard out there and, and you know i want to speak candidly for a second but mark the year you came out it was 1998 that was actually the year that i was born so i am so blessed to have people like you who kind of uh paved the way for all us queer canadians to really set our hearts to do to know that we can do whatever that we set our hearts to and for that i want to commend you Aww. so much for that just Mine's because we've always like had a grandpa no, you're, no 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 just uh my older brother <laughs> i'll take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, thank you um, <laughs> that's awesome thank yeah. you thank you yeah, thank you, Mark. The 2022 Calgary Pride Parade and Festival returns in person on Sunday, September 4th. The lively parade begins at 11 a.m., where two SLGBTQ refugees from around the world will lead the march along 9th Avenue Southwest. Following the parade, join the festival at a new venue, Port Calgary. The festival starts at noon and will feature performances, marketplace vendors, food trucks, kid-friendly activities, a wellness area, beer gardens, and plenty of fun activations dispersed throughout Inglewood and the East Village. We can't wait to celebrate with you. But um, after you retired from competitive swimming in the Olympics, you joined the Canadian Olympic Association and the IOC as an athlete representative. Um, but you stepped down just a few years later due to loss of faith in leadership and vowed to fight corruption in the committee. What were some of the things you saw from within the organization that led you to this decision? Well, really, it's, it was pretty simple and fundamental. I mean, there's sort of an ethical code that, you know, that's one thing, but there's also just good governance. And it was just the IOC isn't accountable to nobody but itself. Right. And unfortunately, to this day, that remains the same situation. And listen, there's a lot of good people there. But when you're a multi-billion dollar organization that has its doors completely closed and no one's checking anything, just think of the kind of behavior that leads yeah. to. It doesn't really take a criminal mind to figure out how quickly it attracts certain people that would take advantage right. of that kind it's of situation. It's time to start asking them some questions, right? Yeah, and I really tried. And of course, when you have that p private club status, um, you don't give that up very easily or willingly. No, not so at all. A, a number of us have taken kind of cracks at it over the years. And yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. Um, but it's, I, I still find some of the international sport leadership frustrating and, and its stance on some of the issues that impact, of course, the LGBTQ plus community. Sometimes I think, especially as part of the Canadian Olympic Committee, we do a lot of good things and are really leaders on issues. But internationally, sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes very disappointed with the stance people are taking. 
Well, since then, I'm sure you agree that there have been some major changes. For example, you recently, uh, I know you were really hands-on in the Canadian Olympic Committee's implementation of the One Team Initiative, uh, where you're trying to bring resources to promote the 2S LGBT plus inclusion in schools and in sports. How close are the Olympics and other organized sports in becoming a space of true inclusion for queer people? That's a, I mean, it's a huge question and a good question, but it's just too hard to answer because it's so different depending on where you are in the world and right. what you're, which part of the community you're in. I mean, obviously, trans women are really um, in the spotlight right now, and, and so is safe sport. So is it an environment for all of us to go feel, no matter what our background, that we're not going to be harmed by taking, by taking part in sport. So, and these are issues... That as a Canadian Olympic Committee, I'm so proud that we face and we we're dealing with and and moving forward. But there's a there's still a long time of change, I think, coming for sport. We've yeah. we've been bound in traditional models for a long time, and I guess the world has to decide. You know, is is our traditional models still going to go forward, or right. are we going to change how we look at gender collectively and you know and and country by country? It's different, and even as we know, state by state, province by province. So yeah. there's it, sport is, I think, still a great tool of inclusion. Um, I've seen that with Special Olympics. You know, just by participating in sport, it gives people that might have been excluded a chance to build community. Absolutely. That's huge. But I think sometimes on the elite side, if you're part of a minority, or it, it can be difficult because it's a, the mass kind of dominates still. Absolutely. You know, I think in, uh, since we are in Canada, we are we definitely experience a lot more privilege than a lot of these other countries in the world. Um, even even compared to our neighbors down south, I would say that we are a lot more inclusive. We have a lot more things in our lives that you know support us and push us to kind of do what we want to do. And we're, for that, we're so thankful. I think somehow we're um, we're we're entrepreneurial and individualistic, but we're also very community yeah. in Canada. I I really feel that. I feel that. Underneath whatever, we, we come together. We're not Absolutely. always so divisive. So I would agree. And it's hard to believe, like, we're having to actually proactively protect LGBTQ plus rights right now in the United States. Like, yeah. How is this happening in 2022? But it's a, it's a wake up to me. And if, if anybody in a position of leadership, you can never take these things for granted. Never. You have to always ensure that you're, you know, standing up for the things that are important and, and being proactive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one point you've used in the past to kind of show the lack of support from managers of athletes is that there has never been an openly gay NHL player. Well, in 2021, that has officially changed as Luke Prokop has made history by coming out as the first gay hockey player signed under an NHL contract. While this is an incredible milestone, do you think that sport organizations are doing enough to make their players comfortable in coming out? Well, (laughs) uh... Probably not. What do you think they can do? What what should they well, be but, doing? But this is I don't like I just don't know how it works, right? So let's like take a step back. How does social change happen? Yeah. There's all kinds of levers you can push. So sometimes it's it's the culture, no question. And often that's leading from the top, right? So the whatever the role modeling is up here, which has been often problematic in sport, but I think that people are trying to change that. But there's other levers. There's like a fan base that's accepting of an openly gay athlete. In fact, 
what if that athlete comes out and their hat sales are the biggest there are in the entire season, yeah. right? That they suddenly have this. Thing. So an economic lever can also make it less. So there's all these things that are starting to happen. So I think, you know, culturally, baby steps are being taken. People are trying. But, you know, these are ingrained behaviors that aren't going to change overnight. Right. But that kind of star or young athlete coming into a system, speaking out, that starts to push in different ways. And, and, and again, again, you know, as an Olympic committee, us doing something for the broader sports system, so it's more inclusive. So all of these things slowly start to add up. But generally speaking, we're still really slow on athletes coming out on the professional yeah. side of sports. There started to be a tipping point, um, especially after Sochi in 2014 uh, with the Olympic athletes. And I think Team LGBTQ Plus in Tokyo was like eighth overall in the medal count, if they existed. They right. didn't really. But that's pretty exciting. You yeah. know, that's also a high level of athlete that's part of our community that are on the medal table. So, oh, absolutely. And those athletes were silent for decades and decades. And so how many, how many more closeted Mark Tewksbury's were at the 1992 Barcelona yeah. Olympics. I would love the official tally right. on some of those early games. I did hear a story where um, uh, this is, I think, I can't remember if you've come out at this point or not, but you went to kind of like the gay world champions of swimming and you actually saw uh, ran into five other peers that you trained with at the University of Calgary. Is that right? Tell us about totally, that story. Totally true story. And I even saw like a guy that I raced against in the final at the Olympics from the American Yeah, team. so they're definitely around I, us. I know, <laughs> my gaydar did not pick him up yeah. at all in the day. That was a real shock to me. Oh, I bet. Some of my teammates, I don't know, we were all sort of maybe slightly alternative or different. And like I said, sexuality just, it wasn't spoken about. This right. is like the 1980s. Um, oh my gosh, I could never imagine broaching that topic with yeah. my teammates at the time. Which is, you know, again, makes me really encouraged to think that like there's an openly gay backstroke swimmer on the Canadian Olympic team at the last Olympics, yeah. Marcus Thornmeyer. So it's like that's like amazing, unthinkable in my time. So that's progress. That so is progress, yeah. Not as fast as I'd like, or people doing as much as I'd like, probably not, but you know, we do evolve. We, We're an amazing species. Absolutely, one step at a time, right? Uh, well, other than sports and the Olympics, Mark, you are also known for your voice. We've heard it addressing the UN. We've heard it on the show, How It's Made. And you've been heard across the world doing your motivational speeches. And I even hear that the Dalai Lama has heard your beautiful voice in a private speech. <laughs> Tell me more about your most memorable speech, whether it's based on the audience, the topic, or the personal impact it had on you. Oh, my God. No, you did not submit, or I didn't read far enough and get this <laughs> question. And I, Wow, that is a really good... I have to keep you on your toes, right? Well, I appreciate the Dalai Lama reference because that was really a moment. You yeah. Know, I was just, I happened to be backstage and he was backstage. Where was this? I was in, in both. In, in So the, the real interaction was in Ottawa, but I was able to interview him again and be with him again in Calgary at the Saddle Dome. Oh, wow. But in Ottawa, it was a much smaller arena. It was yeah. just like a 3,000 person hockey arena. And so I was like, there wasn't enough room to have the separate rooms and green rooms and whatever. And as the MC, I was just behind the curtain and there was quite a long performance and the Dalai Lama actually arrived quite early oh wow and so he was backstage and it's awkward because you're not allowed to speak to the Dalai Lama unless no, he speaks like, to you yeah. first you can't just walk up and say hello and so I just stood awkwardly and finally I felt a tap on my shoulder and he was amazing we had a oh my he, gosh he sort of said something kind of funny like he said you know you're the Olympic champion you're, you're not very big for Olympic champion <laughs> oh, like, I was no. like I was like what 
And they said, but you must have big hearts. Yes. And he said, come, sit down, oh, let me tell gosh. you about Tibet. And th- he was amazing. I, literally, when he was touching my arm, I felt like I was trying to, like, levitate. Yeah. Like, there's the energy of him. And I learned that day. It was really cool. I learned, like, he meditated for at least six hours a day, sometimes up to 12 and I had all these facts so that at the Saddle Dome, we ran out of questions. And oh, thankfully, yeah. I interviewed him a few years before to remember some of the interview, uh, interesting things and turn those into questions on the fly because I knew the audience would probably appreciate that info. Yeah. But So for sure, you know, that wasn't really a speech. That was like a moment with someone. But that was definitely a moment. That is insane. Most people don't even see the Dalai Lama. The fact that you had a conversation with him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I would have to say, like, I performed a, a show, Belong, and, and that was really, that was hard to do every night. I knew in an 80-minute show, there was a moment where I was going to forget where I was. It just happened every single time I did it. And I just had to trust <laughs> that I'd remember, you know, that it would come back instead of panicking. And, you know, when you start to race in yeah. your head, and then you're never going to remember. And that was pretty cool to learn to just kind of, like, step into that space and just kind of own right. it for a moment. But it was quite terrifying to know yeah. what's going to happen every night. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I guess being there and, and giving a speech to the United Nations after our declaration hit the floor and, and, and was on one hand really empowering, you know, I think 63 people voted in favor and then 58 against. So it just kind of put a, uh, you know, a, a tough reality check on the right. day and where we were, 2008 and global rights. And and I got to speak after that and I got to share a story that, you know, was like a local traumatizing story for me as a locker break in at school. But to share that at the United Nations, I was pretty amazing all those years later. Yeah. You know, very healing, I think, for yeah. me, too. Almost made it worth it. <laughs> Not really a joke. But. Well, that is fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you for always advocating for what's right. Uh, before we go, Mark, are there any special projects that you're working on at the moment? And where can people find you? Oh, so my I, I sort of channel this energy into leadership training and personal development. And so you can find me at thegreattraits.com. Or the Great Traits Academy. You can find it, just Google it. And we've got some interesting programming for, for how to achieve success and happiness or how to become a, a great leader, um, whatever that is. <laughs> and um, I'm also vice president of the Canadian Olympic Committee, which I'm really proud of. And uh, I'm always loving to you know do guest lectures and speeches, especially on LGBTQ plus issues. So you can always find me at marktuxbury.org. Um, and my my partner Rob takes care of all that so fantastic yeah it's fun it's um it's been a long time Felix that I've been out there and but I'm still seeing it from the leadership side at the Olympic Committee and seeing athletes like it was the first time we had a non-binary trans Olympic gold medalist wow it was Quinn a Canadian wow and so it's yeah it's fascinating for me to be watching these athletes journeys from a you know from a place that hopefully I can also try to keep influencing it to make sure it keeps happening in the future. So thank you for your appreciation for the past, but I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, you won't be. Able, you'll be here right next to me all the time. <laughs> I'm going to your house after this, so um, for oh, for lunch. lunch. Ready, of yeah, course, so of course. Um, you can't get from me that easily. <laughs> potatoes, fries. Potatoes, yes, please. The colder, the better. I'm just kidding. Please serve me hot potatoes. Anyways, thank you so much, Mark, for coming in today. And uh, just a reminder, folks, Calgary Pride festivities start on August 26th, and our parade ends the show on September 4th. And we'd love to see each and every one of you guys there. And yeah, 
thank you so much. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. This has been the Pridecast only on CJSW. Thanks for listening.